Hello and welcome to At First Glance, a podcast where we take a look at movie, television, comics, anime, and let you know if it's worth a second. And today we are talking about our top 10 movies of 2021. And today I have with me Ryan Welcome back, Ryan. Welcome back. Uh, how would you sum up the year for you in like a couple sentences, movie wise? I think this was a. I think this was a really good uh, movie year. Maybe not like a great. Like we don't have the top like instant classics um, that you would you would have in you know a great uh, year. But really good. Um, I watched a total of 125 movies. Damn. This year. This yes. guy making uh, making me proud. And I tell you. Nice. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it. Um, it started off kind of mad because again, you know, with everything on streaming, I guess I'll say that I had it was a it was a decent year, but I had a lot. I had fewer. I had fewer great memories only because I I equate a lot of my m- movie memories to watching things in theaters and there being that you know you being in a dark room you know with a giant rectangle and it demanding your focus for two hours plus you know and you can't check your phone you can't get up and do things as much or at least it doesn't um it, it makes it harder to do that or it makes it harder to justify to yourself like constantly getting up and going if you can't pause it and stuff so it, it, it kind of break up the experience when you watch a movie you know in pieces simply because you can always get up and go to something else for a while so uh, that being said, I still think it was a pretty good year, and uh, hopefully uh, we have a lot of different things. You did, you said four. So, uh, but uh, that's, an inter- uh, that's an interesting point that you made, because uh, I'm looking at a list, and there's only two movies on it that I actually saw in theaters. Ooh, okay. I'm see, looking at my list. Uh, one, two, three. I have three of my list I saw in theaters, so... No, um, no. Yeah, it was probably like more like eight, eight in theaters and like two from streaming, right? Yeah, exactly. But with the pandemic and everything, it's just completely flipped. As a, as Aladdin would say, it's a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, sir. All right. Well, let's just hop in with our number ten, Brian. What do you have for me? That is my number nine. Oh. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, just knock this one out right now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was 
good. Uh, it was it, it it had a strong strong second half that really brought it home for me. So uh, yeah, but that last half was just so strong that I I was all I just so so many of the great moments were I think in that last half, but it just. Uh, but it just made it so. But it was just such a strong last half that I was like, ah, all right, it's got to get in here. It's got to get in here. That, it brought me so much joy this year, and uh, it's just good to have my, you know, my second favorite superhero of all time uh, be something that I want to see on the big screen again after uh, the past, like you know, what four letdowns with Amazing Spider-Man and then the first two Holland ones for me. So, but yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home for the win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was the first one in MCU that felt like a Spider-Man movie, and uh, I loved the different perspectives on the on the villains, and of course uh, the uh, extra friends that came along. Uh, it just it was all great. Oh, the extra friends were the were I thought the much needed uh, meat meat and potatoes <laughs> uh, to really get at the heart of what uh, Spider-Man's all about. So they were so welcome and it made made the movie so much better so but let me get to my number 10 and my number 10 is Spencer oh yeah I finally got yeah well I, I heard I heard my girl Kristen Stewart was uh, playing uh, Lady Diana and here's the thing I didn't know uh, that that was her her maiden name <laughs> so I, you know, so, but my wife, you know, who's actually a big lady, you know, big lady Diana fan is like, well, everyone knows that. And I'm like, well, I don't know if everyone knows it, but I, I know I definitely didn't. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm really, when it comes to biopics about like a real person, I'm more into the character studies than the, here's like an entire encapsulation of their life. Because I feel like those always, because you know, one's entire life really can't be boiled down to like one through line of a theme. Yeah. So it's, I always, I, I prefer these tiny encapsulated moments. Like uh, there's that movie, My Weekend with Marilyn, which I thought was pretty good uh, with Michelle Williams. And then there was also what's uh, the Martin Luther King movie, Selma, where it just kind of takes place on one particular, you know, particular march and not his entire life. Because it's just. Yeah, they're just taking it in chunks. They're taking it in chunks because it's just, it's. Life is messy, and life doesn't, you know, like, like I don't think you and I could boil down our lives currently to, you know, to a single like, like message, right? No, <laughs> I don't think so. So, and life is more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah, and so, but uh, yeah, with uh, with Spencer, I thought it was a, uh, I, I thought it was excellent. I thought Kristen too. This is the best I've ever seen her be, and I've and I and I knew she had it. I knew she was good because I've been. Uh, you know, everyone wants to, you know, call it the Twilight thing, but after Twilight, I, I followed her in a bunch of indie things from, like, um, Adventure, Adventureland to, uh, there was a movie she did called, um, Speak, where she didn't talk because she was a victim of something for a while, and that was a really good movie, that was, like, a really small indie film back in the day, to, uh, just a bunch of other things, uh, she was also in The Runaways, I believe, but I've just seen, I've just seen her... Uh, just doing a lot of interesting indie projects, and I, you know, I'm always giving props when when people are trying to do uh, interesting things for sure. And but this, I I don't know if uh, you experienced this, but I felt like she truly disappeared into this role. 
Oh, she absolutely did. Uh, she, yeah. It, it's hard when you're that famous and you're like Kristen Stewart and um, you you really just stopped seeing Kristen Stewart and you just saw Princess Diana. She did such a great job at it. And what I liked about the movie is that it almost had that like haunted house, like horror movie horror movie feel um, even though it was like a drama but it had that like suffocating walls closing in kind of feeling to it yeah and there was a lot of like there's a lot of unsaid un unphysically manifested pressure on her that I thought was really well realized where you know, like, uh, like I, like my wife actually had to kind of fill in like some of the blanks and or f- fill in some of the gaps in terms of like the tension that uh, she had with the family. So I, uh, so I, 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 but I, so I just really appreciated how they were able to capture this pressure without ha- having a lot of people kind of physically be all, be be all over her. If you know what I mean. Like there was like just like just the whole you know you have to wear each outfit for each meal, but if she wears the wrong, but if she wears a a different outfit for a different thing, it's like a giant thing, or that she can't have the windows open because of paparazzi to the to the fact they actually just like sew the drape shut, (laughs) which was crazy. But uh, I just. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, what I could really kind of felt like I compared this to in terms of its filmmaking, like it's, it's a very beautiful film, but they spend a lot of time with close-ups on her face, just letting her act, and it it kind of reminded me of uh, kind of the way that um, a lot of um, what's that movie, uh, Mother, with a, with J Law, was uh, was filmed, where there were a lot of just tight close-ups on her face, and even though they're both in a giant house. Uh, Kristen Stewart be, definitely being in a bigger house, it still felt well, like, like you said, the walls are closing in, right? And you like, and you just can't breathe. But uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was quite excellent, and that's why it made it to my number ten. Awesome, that's a good choice. Yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that movie um, for sure. It's, it is a good one. Nice. Well, let's get to your number nine, sir. All right, uh, my number nine is a film called uh, Riders of Justice. Ooh, I haven't heard of this one. So, this is a Danish film. Mmm, going foreign, I see. Good, good. Yes. Uh, starring uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, he, he's great. So, he plays uh, Marcus. He's a soldier who comes back um, home to take care of his uh, daughter, who he doesn't really know that well, um, after his wife dies in a tragic... Um, train accident mm. and then then a, a mathematician who was also was a survivor of the train accident uh, claims that it wasn't an accident at all really yeah and then uh, so you know Marcus goes on a mission to find who's responsible oh um, this movie is a roller coaster ride. Now it is in subtitles, but that doesn't bother me much. Mads Mikkelsen is just phenomenal. He plays, you know, this very cold and like emotionally distant uh, guy. You know, he's a soldier. He just kind of buries everything way down deep. 
he's doing it not well. <laughs> he's just bearing it down, bearing it down until it kind of explodes. Um, but uh, it it's a real true like genre bender. It's um, kind of like part like jet black comedy, part revenge action thriller, and then ultimately you know it's about uh, you know it's a drama about grief and broken people coming together to heal one another um it doesn't go where you think it's gonna go um i would call it a uh, deconstruction of like the macho revenge hero okay and uh yeah like the you know the the initial setup is kind of a generic revenge thriller taken style kind of thing but it goes to a different place and uh, yeah it's humor is really dry and morbid at times um, and ultimately it's it's a beautiful film but you know there are a lot of uh, ups and downs and you know it kind of goes all over the place in terms of uh, uh, how you're feeling and you know um, with the different genres, but uh, it was an excellent, excellent film. Very cool. Good. And this is called Riders of Freedom? Uh, Riders of Justice. Riders of Justice, okay. Well, I'll have to check yeah. it out. That sounds, uh, I sounds... Think, I think it's on Hulu, I believe. Ooh, okay. I, sh- I should have wrote down where all these are. I know some of them, but yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, that one's on Hulu. Nice. Well, I'm going to get to mine. Mine's a bit about grief, I guess, one could say. My number eight. Uh, and that is Pig. Pig. Yeah, it is uh, with uh, Mr. Mr. Nicholas Cage in rare form. <laughs> I mean, going into this, I don't know how you felt going into this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like Nicholas Cage looking for his stolen pig. His stolen like, truffle pig. You know, speaking of, like, a deconstruction of, like, the revenge thriller, this one is kind of the same kind of deal, just in a different way, I think, than Riders of Justice. Um, oh, oh, yeah, like, like they definitely would be good, uh, like, they would be a good pairing to watch, you know? <laughs> absolutely, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, Nicolas Cage, I mean, he... He was, like, reserved, and I, I just haven't seen him like this uh, in a while. He was just giving it his all, and, you know, you could see he really cared about the, the movie um, and the role, and, uh, yeah, he, he looked, you know, rejuvenated almost. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, this happens a lot with Cage, where he'll do a lot of schlock, but then he'll, like, do one or two movies that reminds you why he's one of the greats. And, it, you know, like, this is one of those... Uh, he, he did a movie a few years ago called Joe. I thought was also really, really good, if you've ever seen that one. I haven't. Uh, yeah, I'd recommend you check that one out. Uh, you know, his you know his great ones like Lord of War or, or Adaptation are also, like, great... Like great undersung ones that most people don't, you know, like don't necessarily name unless you're a big film person. But yeah, I, I thought he was absolutely excellent in here, very reserved. I love this weird, like, food underworld that they kind of go through a little bit. 
and it's not really explained, but it makes it so interesting at the same time. And it being this, uh, and him kind of being like, it's a, uh, it's like, if I were to describe it to someone, but it would honestly like be a letdown for them. It's like John Wick if he was just a chef. And he was actually kind of a good person, you know. Like, like there's a like there's this great scene in the movie where uh, he's trying to find the guy that has his pig, and he has to. And they're at this restaurant that is owned by the guy uh, that uh, he believes has his pig, and the chef uh, he calls out, and apparently the chef is someone that used to work for him. <laughs> And then you just get, and, get, and you, you think it's just kind of being like this kind of mean, kind of Gordon Ramsay tight ass, right? Like your food's just not good or whatnot, but he kind of breaks down like, this isn't what you wanted to do when I first met you. Why aren't you doing that? And the guy's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, it, and it got really touching. And I think at that moment, the movie became great for me <laughs> because it was yeah, about. He definitely like goes down like a, almost like a nihilistic kind of path there, but like, in like a sweet and touching way, not like a you know, fuck the world kind of way. It was yeah, he's interesting. Yeah, he, well, yeah, he's like questioning like why didn't you like he's questioning why certain people that he followed didn't follow their dreams, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like that he remembered like like people did matter to him, even though he was definitely a recluse. You know, the whole he, whole he remembers every meal he's ever made for anybody or anything. I just thought I, I thought that was great. And then he has this. Uh, he he has a scene where he has to, where he has to feel some feel some shit, and uh, I guess I would compare it to like uh, the Tom Hanks breakdown. If you ever saw Captain Phillips, yeah, it was very similar to that, right? And I think he I think Cage nailed it hundred percent. I felt that shit. So. But uh, yeah, as far as it goes, uh, Pig is one to watch. And it's actually pretty, like, even though it's a very kind of a slow-paced film, it's only like 90 minutes. It's super... Yeah, it's like, breezy. Yeah, it's super breezy. So, and it's on Hulu, I believe. You mentioned Hulu being where the Riders of Justice is, uh, is can be seen. And that's also where uh, I watch Pig. So uh, to all you guys out there, uh, check out Pig if you want to see some good acting. Uh, it's a bit slow, but uh, give it a chance. Uh, it'll give you the feels for sure. Yeah, and Alex Wolf is in it, and uh, Adam Arkin, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's some good performances. Oh, yeah. Just uh, just Nicolas Cage is just, just occasionally, you know, just cranking out gems here and there, and then we got to catch him. Like, wait, no, no, wait, no. Oh, oh, wait, that one's good. Catch it, catch it, catch it. And so. I love that, you know, he just goes for it. Like, you know, um, you know, color out of space or, you know, you know, a a pig movie or, you know, Mandy, he just goes for it. Does it always hit? No, but you know what? He goes for it and it's amazing how much of it does hit in some way or fashion. Oh yeah, he's, um... He's definitely one of the few actors you can say, you know what, that guy does a lot of schlock, but God bless him, I res- like I respect that he swings for it, right? You know. Yeah, you know, you uh, you you miss every shot you don't take, or whatever the saying is. Oh yeah, I like to I like to quote uh, Joaquin Phoenix from Signs when. 
uh, they're like swing away Maryland. You know, their guy was like, oh yeah, like you know, he has the biggest home run you know like record in town, but he also has like the biggest strikeout record. And Merrill and uh, Walking Phoenix turns looks at the camera and says, it felt wrong not to swing. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, good stuff with pick. Let's move on to your number eight, sir. Definitely haven't seen this one then, probably. question the protagonist's sanity, right? Or, you know, like if it's beating you over the head, like you got what they're trying to say. 
it, it did feel it, but the movie had other things to offer than just that it was really good acting great writing and um, yeah it's uh, it's a solid movie uh, very good and you know th- this year is a pretty good year for horror movies so I really got into it and this is uh, one of the ones that uh, that got me there um, so uh, yeah lucky nice I'll check it out that sounds excellent man Actually, I think I have a, I think I have a movie that's a good pairing for it, like higher up on my list. So we'll talk about that when we get to it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, number seven. Number seven for me is a fun one. It's one of the only. It's one of the three I saw in theaters, and that is Nobody. Ah. Uh, stars uh, our boy Bob Odenkirk, uh, Saul Goodman, uh, Jimmy, or Slippin' Jimmy himself. <laughs> In a uh, in a very uh, I, I kind of wanted to kind of call back to your movie Riders of Justice with the whole like uh, kind of revenge story and the kind of and the movie itself is kind of a deconstruction on that as well where you kind of have the story of the like you know the badass that holds back right when you know like when you're like you know he could have taken those guys out and apparently this was I don't remember if it's based on if it happened to. Uh, Bob himself, but he, but uh, but but the idea of like someone breaking into your house and you could have done something about it, but didn't, and then like every, you know, everybody, including especially every man, just looking at you in disgust, like you know, if, if that were me, I would have been a real man. You know what I mean? I would have taken those people out. I would have killed them. I would have protected my family. You know what I mean? Like chest beating, rah rah rah. And uh, this movie kind of just kind of taps into that and. Uh, it definitely like it's it, it's it's you know it's it definitely delivers on what you expect in terms of that, but it definitely does it in an interesting way. Uh, like just the whole, uh, you know, he goes to get revenge, and it's it's just not it's just not it's not clean enough to just get a clean revenge with that, <laughs> and, he, and and even that frustrates and even that frustrates him and stuff. And I just I, I love it. Uh, the action is uh, is. Uh, phenomenal! It's done by the director. I can't. I don't. I cannot pronounce his name. I know I couldn't pronounce his name in the review for it. But it's the guy who did Hardcore Henry. Uh, oh, uh-huh. um, oh, yeah. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, I was about to say twenty bucks if you could pronounce it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's done by the same guy. Uh, it's it's also produced and. Uh, uh, by 8711 if you know them they're the stunt uh, uh, production company that, uh, that that did John Wick like uh, they're owned by Stad, uh, Chad Stahelski and, and David Leach and uh, it's it, it's and the action is fully on display here it, it's funny like we had two really great bus fights this year or in 2021 and it started off with nobody and, and even though I think Shang-Chi is more complex and Better technically, I liked Nobody's more because it felt realer. You know, I, I, I felt people being out of breath. I felt people getting hurt, arms broken. You, you know what I mean? Like, Bob Odenkirk, take, like, like, even though he gives a beating, he takes a beating, and I love it. It's, it's definitely like if you were to cross John Wick with John McClane, where they're, oh, where it's like that. That, that, that might have been in a pitch beating. Yeah, right? <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I loved. It. I thought I thought the action was great. I loved. Uh, what's his name? Christopher Lloyd. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, like, it was fantastic. Like who would have? Um, like who would have thought you would have? You know who would have thought? Like picturing like the you know the the next action trio: Christopher Lloyd, Bob Odenkirk, and the RZA. that's known for talking his way out of things it's good to like see him it's, it's, it's good to see some range you know and like and, and you know it's just good to see him kick ass and because again you know most of the times you see people kicking ass and it's, some, it's from someone you'd expect to kick ass right so Absolutely. and so when I see him doing it and but, but but still keeping it vulnerable and still keeping it him I was like oh yeah this is uh this is my jam I love me some good action but uh that is my seven sir uh what about you I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard of it. Oh, this movie, I mean, it really surprised me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, going into it, I'm like, all right, Ryan Reynolds, uh, you know, it, it's probably going to be like an escapist, blockbuster, you know, eye candy, CGI, like, probably not get too much in terms of themes and character depth, but whatever. Boy, was I wrong. Um, <laughs> this movie had a lot of art, um, a lot of, like, thematic depth, uh, and, yeah, it, I felt like it really had something to say. Uh, so, you know, like, the, the basic premise of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, ultimately, you know, you have the NPC non-player characters, and then you have... It, and uh, which guy's one of them and then you have uh, they really don't have control over their situation and uh, I really I saw it as like a almost like, like a class metaphor where the the NPCs were you know the poor working class and the game players are like the you know upper class and the game maker type 
shocked how much I like this movie. And uh, and he had all the special effects stuff, you know. It was visually very good. Um, it really took advantage of like that video game setting and and everything uh, that comes with that in terms of like CGI and action scenes. Um, this movie introduced me to Jodie Comer mm. because you know she was in you know Killing Eve. I haven't seen it, um, and she's fantastic. Yeah, I've heard. really good. Um, she was also in uh, another movie this year uh, with uh, Matt Damon. Um, I'm blanking on the name. Stillwater. Stillwater? No, uh... Oh! The, the Last Duel. The last duel yeah. I, I just liked them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in The Last Duel. And, uh... But in this, she plays a, a dual role of someone in the real world and then Molotov Girl in the video game. Uh, she was great. She had great chemistry with, um... Uh, our boy Ryan Reynolds, who, of course, was as witty and... Ryan Reynolds as he ever is, and uh, uh, he was great. There's a extended an extended cameo by uh, from uh, Channing Tatum that was absolutely hilarious. Because mm. uh, I, I will get into it, but like he he just goes full into it. You know, Channing Tatum does this. He was in. Um, uh, this is the end. Oh, yeah, and the uh, gimp. He, he, oh, yeah, and the, he, he was the gimp, right? That was hilarious. Yeah, he was the gimp. And he just does this. He just, like, shows up in other movies, you know, shows up for a day or two, just, like, is absolutely hilarious. And it's just like, all right, give me my check. See you later. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, 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 show, like, he shows up to play, even if for just a couple days. He does. And he's just, he just gives it his all, and it's just absolutely hilarious and um, yeah I mean it also kind of goes into um, you know that feeling of not being able to control you know like the chaos around you which I feel like we've all kind of felt like that over the last two years um, mm-hmm. and uh, it also kind of like makes fun and uh, criticizes Hollywood for like making sequels, remakes, reboots of, you know, big franchises and all that kind of stuff. So that, that was fun, too. Um, so, yeah, no, it's very surprising. I saw this one with my dad, and even, you know, and I always love watching movies with uh, my parents because they're kind of my baseline of movie-going audience. Not to put it down or anything, but it's like, you know, you and I, we're, like, super into movies, being analyzed, and all of that, whereas my dad and my uh, other people I know, they're just like, hey, let's go for two hours and have some fun and cool. Um, but he really enjoyed this film, as did I. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good movie. You should definitely check it out. Uh, definitely well. It's, uh, I've heard the reviews. I've heard people constantly sing its praises. I just haven't gotten around to it yet, but I'll definitely check that one out for sure. So getting, so I guess we're down to number six. So number six. So number six will be uh, number six is one I probably I'm sure you maybe haven't heard. This is this will be my 
my one movie that like you know the average people listening haven't heard but this movie called one shot and it's stuck congratulations sir that is a movie that i have not uh, seen or heard of <laughs> got one nice so this one stars so this one stars my boy scott atkins he's a he is probably the king of like the straight to dvd action movies like he does a lot of straight to DVD action that's really good, but like on a low budget. So the so the action is really good, but there's there's definitely a level of cheapness to it. But it's definitely more budgetary and and less on the director because you can see so like like you know when you watch a movie that looks cheap that that like feels cheap only because of lack of money, but like all the execution looks really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely uh, that's generally what he does. But this one, this one, this movie. Uh, one shot. Who is it? I'm trying to figure, trying to find out who is who's directed by again. It's directed by this guy named James Nunn. But basically, the plot is simple. The, the plot is basically you have an elite uh, squad of Navy SEALs, and they're basically on a covert mission to transport a prisoner off a kind of a CIA black site, island prison. I you know something like basically like Guantanamo Bay, and they end up getting trapped when uh, these insurgents uh, attack them, trying to rescue and or kill that same prisoner. And what makes this movie stand out is that uh, this movie is seemingly done in one shot. And we're talking all the things. We're talking all the hand-to-hand combat, all the gunfights. It's all done in it's all done in seemingly one take. Now I know where. Now there are times where I know where they you know hit the cuts and stuff. But this one was this one had me, man. Like because like. Just picture like the like just all the best action like you could think of like all the best one take gunfights you've seen in movies like that's like the showcase scene of the movie, and this movie makes the entire movie that, but not in the sense that like every scene is a gunfight. Like there are plenty of times where it's just people. There's time to breathe, and there are times where the characters you know where a character has to be covert and can't just go in guns blazing and stuff. But uh, yeah, this movie to me was uh, it's fantastic. It's actually I think it's my favorite action movie of the year. And um, yeah, I just and it really showed me because like I I watched because the, there was a giant gunfight like in the first like twenty minutes when shit hit the fan, and I realized how much you need lots of wides to establish what's going on when you have like twelve people shooting at another twelve people. You know what I mean? Have you ever seen those movies where it's a lot of shooting, but you can't really tell where anyone is in proximity to each other? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, this movie makes that, like, it's so beautifully, it's so beautiful to just see where everyone is at all time and where they're taking, you know, where people are getting flanked, where people are throwing grenades, like, everything is so, so easy to see. It's like, watch, it's like watching a chessboard, but from the top. But like, but but basically, it's like you're it's like you're weaving in through all the pieces as they're making moves, but you understand why they're making those moves, and it's it's it's, it's wonderful. But uh, yeah, I would definitely say for a great thrill ride, uh, check out One Shot, starring my boy uh, Scott Atkins. It is uh, it is damn good for sure, and the acting is very and the acting is very good too. Now I'll say there's one actor, uh, Ryan Philippe, who's a bit over the top in the movie, but uh, but 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 other. But other than that, uh, it's pretty good. Like, there's actually a death scene. I think is one of the best death scenes I've seen in a while. Just, just, just from an acting standpoint. And like, and, and again, you know, like all this stuff is like, and that scene is done like you know in a single take where there's clearly no cuts. It's back to stage acting where you only got one shot that you know like nailed this shit. So you better get it. You know, I loved it, and I'm happy to have it on this list. So, 
What is your six, sir? Uh, my six is a uh, Netflix movie uh, that came out earlier in the year. Uh, I think around February, if I remember correct. Um, it is called The White Tiger. Break it down so, for me. Yeah, so this is, um, this is about a uh, Indian uh, man named Balram a part of India's lower like caste system. Uh, he's also a driver for a rich family and he is desperate to escape poverty by any means necessary. So this one has a satirical kind of edge to it that I just can't resist with dark humor that I can't resist. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's a film about how, you know, being a part of a corrupt system can corrupt someone's soul. The main actor um, is a man by the name of Adarsh Gover. I hope I said that right. Uh, he plays Balram and very charismatic, very desperate and ruthless and you just see that desperation with everything he does and very sharply written dialogue, very complex character, especially uh, Balran or Balran. It not only blurs the line between good and evil, quote unquote good and evil, um, but it shows how difficult it can be to tell the difference sometimes uh, oh, yeah. between those two things. I almost, I almost say it has a like Scarface kind of vibe, although it's not that like violent, not that the drug trade, but that like rags to riches, uh, I'll do anything to get to the top kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with a little bit of more of a satirical edge, and um, it also has uh, Priyanka uh, Chopra, uh, Jonas in it mm-hmm. as well. And she does a very good job. She's not a bad actress. Um, she she does good. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. It was on uh, Netflix. And, um, you know, I, I kind of noticed that uh, a lot, I think about three or four, maybe five of my films this year were about, you know, corrupt systems or like, you know, how, the bad side of capitalism and things like that. And I was like, oh, well, those are my liberal ideals <laughs> to my movie choices. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, this, this is a, uh, a really good movie. Um, a little long. Maybe didn't have to be quite as long. Um, but uh, I think it's about two and a half hours. But uh, you, you really feel satisfied by the end cool and this one is called white tiger the white tiger the white yep. tiger okay cool i'll have to check that one out right. well. put it on my list now We're getting uh, into the top five getting into the top five here now i'm gonna take a guess here this one may be on your list this one may be on your list directed by mike rianda the uh the i think this may be the only animated one on here the Mitchells versus the Machines. That is a punt, sir. Ah. <laughs> Had to get one at least, goodness. That is a, 
We'll talk about that when we get to it. We'll talk about that when we get there. All right. So what is your five? Number five. This one is a little bit of a cheat, um, but it's my list, so I'm done. Uh, this is the Fear Street trilogy. Oh, is that is that? That sounds like two in Jeremy's court now. But no. But yeah, I've seen that one. It's good. Let's yeah. talk. Um, let's talk about it. Did you, have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Uh, my wife and I actually binge watched it like in two days. Nice. <laughs> it's so Excellent. good. It's so um, good. Yeah, I love these movies. This is another one uh, where, you know, it really like opened my eyes to like horror and slashers uh, and the way I really didn't look at them before is like, this is what horror movies can be? This is what slashers can be? Like, yeah, I love this. I mean, I mean, they're just fun. You know, each movie pays that, you know, homage or homage uh, to different eras and styles of slasher movies. You know, the, the first one's 90s slashers, part twos, you know. Seven, late 70s, early 80s, like camp uh, slasher movies. Part three is more of your like supernatural or witchcraft, uh, you know, early colonial kind of. Uh, yeah, very like, uh, very the village, right? <laughs> yes, very, very the village. It's like, it, 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 like the like the first one is very much the high school slasher. That second one is uh is is definitely like your. Uh, your Friday the Thirteenth, you know, yeah. like you know, because it's you know it's a summer camp, so it's just it, it's it's right there with Crystal Lake, and then that last one is definitely the the village slash like the witch, <laughs> you know. Yes. So very much so. Yeah, and but I love how it did that, but without feeling like contrived. It brought its own uh, style, both visually, creatively, um, you know, even story wise. But where these movies got me was the character development. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like that's what sets it apart from typical slasher uh, movies. Like, you get to know and care for the characters. And each character has their, like, little, you know just little, you know, traits or characteristics that normally you wouldn't have, and, um, you know, like, one, uh, one of the guys, I forget his name, but, you know, he's a typical slacker kind of guy, um, drug dealer, and, uh, but then at the end of the first movie, you see that he works at a grocery store, and he's been, like, uh, employee of the month, like, five months in a row. Oh, yeah, they definitely like to uh, subvert <laughs> expectations. Like little detail, like, oh, so I guess there is something he's good at, you know? Yeah, he's yeah. not always a slacker. Well, well yeah, he's, he's like, like a fun. Well, he's like a fun. He's like a functioning pothead, you know. He's like I, I'm, I like, you know, I go home, I get high, I sell some drugs every once in a while, but I also am a dope ass employee. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there is one scene in the first movie, one kill, I should say. Mm-hmm. That is just amazing. <laughs> is it near the end? Yes. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. 
This is glorious. Yeah. And I, you it know is, what? It is fantastic. I actually heard an interview with the director, and um, I guess the writing staff um, was, uh, or the writers were like, oh yeah, we want to do this kill. And then she was like, no, that's not realistic. Well, then the special effects crew was like, check. here, we're going to figure this out. And they're like, and check this shit out. Watermelon as a substitute. And they showed it to her. And she was like, all right, let's do it. Never, like, <laughs> like, never mind, put it in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, when, when you see it, you'll know it. Oh, yeah, because um, I went, ooh. <laughs> And it was also because this movie is full of kids, and this movie is like, I feel like the best Goosebumps could be. Yes. And, you know, Goosebumps is like, you know, it's that horror for kids where they really can't get into murder and stuff, but this is like, what if you kept the same kids from Goosebumps, but put them into like, you know, the same scenarios, but they could die. <laughs> and, right, and like, some kids get killed in these movies. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, they they you know, yeah, and and for true horror to work, you you know the kids can't be safe. Absolutely, and um, I also kind of love that you know this is about uh, you know it revolves around a teenage you know lesbian romance, and um, so that's something you often see in these types of movies, and uh, I felt like I, I was pretty invested in the. Um, in those characters, and uh, I, I like in the first movie where um, the, the main character played by Tiana Madera uh, says, you know, we're going to go on a date and we're going to listen to the Pixies and we're going to make out. Mm-hmm. But right now, we need to get like our heads in the game <laughs> and like, survive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just love that. And spoilers. Those things happen at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I was, and I was happy to see it. And, um, yeah, I mean, just the, the, once again, the thematic depth, uh, depth in this movie, um, you know, generational traumas, um, you know, talk about, like, the consequences of maintaining the status quo. Um, oh, yeah, sacrifices so that your family, you know, so that generations can be good <laughs> absolutely the you know persecution of those uh, deemed as others mm-hmm. and uh yeah like systemic either racism misogyny all the isms yeah so um, which ism I don't know <laughs> all of them all and the isms and, no that's a good point and like the fact that the whole like witch thing which a lot of people know that the, the whole like witch trials and things like that was all like, oh, I don't like you and what you say. You're a witch. Yeah. Um, yeah, from what I heard uh, it from what I heard it was actually started by some kids that like spread rumors and then like it actually got someone killed and they realized the power of like rumors back in the day when you know when things were substantial you know, th- things were just backed up by word of mouth. And mouth. It is a motherfucker. <laughs> it is. And, and, and it's, actually, it's, um, there's a, I want to say it's like a 50s movie. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got like you know Henry Fonda and a bunch of people at the time. Um, it's a western movie, but uh, it kind of goes into when the mob mentality goes wrong. But, it, uh, it's rarely. It's it's it, it, it's it's right in rare occasions, Brian. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you know, we, I'm all about marketing, but when we start just, like, when we're, when, when you just put anger into a giant group of people, it, it's, it, it, it doesn't solve much. It, it doesn't, so, it doesn't solve much. But, uh, wonderful chills and spookiness just whisper into your ear the sweet nothings of glorious horror art horror slasher horror psychological all that good shit dive in my friend it is it is a uh, it's so satisfying <laughs> i love it i loved it very much all right well speaking of horror uh number four uh the second the the i think this is the first movie i saw first first movie i saw this no maybe first maybe second maybe second First one I saw with uh, with my uh, with my wife that this year. Actually, I think it was the second movie I've seen in theaters with my wife because we saw one before the pandemic. But uh, this one is uh, A Quiet Place Part Two. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I forgot. I, honestly, I, for a minute, I forgot this came out earlier this year because it was so. It's just so far back. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah it's a good movie. This is one that was close. Yeah. It was, it was in that. It was in that group of uh, four or five. Uh, to get on my list. Just, yeah, just, just sitting there next to Tim being like, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a good movie. But, yeah, I, ahead, but yeah, John Krasinski, I think, uh, pulled it out of the bag and made a great sequel, man. It's hard to, uh, you know, like when you see something as original and great as A Quiet Place, you're just like, you know, and then you hear second ones come out, you're just like, uh, I don't know, you know? I don't know, because the, the, it's... There are so many great movies that they, you know, the studios are like, it's big, make a sequel and make it twice as fast and, you know, add twice as much money and then, you know, but like half the time and you end up getting something shitty. But in this case, you get a little more than half. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, we want a sequel in six months. But yeah, this was uh, I thought this was excellent. Uh I forgot you know the actress that uh, you know the actress's name that uh, uh the deaf daughter? Uh 
I forgot her name. Uh, Melissa's, uh, Melissa's, uh, I can't, Melissa's Simmons? No, I can't do it. Melissa yeah, it's, Mil- it's Millicent something. Yeah, Simmons is the last name. Oh, Millicent Simmons? Yeah, that might, I just can't say that name. Yeah, yeah, that place, that name, I'm, I'm looking it up just right now just so I can not mess it up because, uh, yeah, she killed it. Where is it? Where is it? Millicent Simmons, yes. Yeah. Millicent Simmons. She was uh, fantastic. Uh, she's given more the leading role here. And, uh, man, she killed it. Uh, you know, Killian Murphy is always great. Emily Blunt, and Emily Blunt is, a nas- is an international treasure. And uh, you got a little uh, John Krasinski there uh, in that, uh, what I thought was a great opening, too. Like a great little just hint of what happened, you know, day one. I thought that was, I thought that was a fantastic scene. Like, it was a fan- I think it was a fantastic horror action scene, actually. Which, uh, yeah, which is... I mean, it which really is, had a long way to, to climb from the, the first movie, just because, you know, um, I can't remember about you but for me it was my number one movie of that year I think, I think it was mine too yeah it's just so excellent but the, they did you know they didn't try to do the same thing Mm-mm. because that is the trap that many sequels fall into um, do the same know, do the same thing but bigger the screen movies that's yeah. what the screen movies are Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, and got got me teary-eyed near the end, like the first one did. Expanded the world enough that you know I'm still I still want to know more. You know what I mean? I, I always appreciate the the movies where you know the world in terms of how it operates now with you know with these with these monsters in just tiny little bites. But I uh, I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was excellent. I thought John Krasinski pulled it off the hat again. Uh, not obviously not my number one this year, but to make a movie and then have and then have the sequel make my list that is uh, quite impressive for sure. Uh, yeah, that's pretty darn good franchise. Oh yeah, so hopefully I can close that with a good third movie. Yeah, here's hoping. Now, what is your number four, sir? All right, my number four, also a bit of a cheat. <laughs> this one is technically a comedy special. Oh, can I guess? Sure. Is it inside? It sure is. Is Bo Burnham? <laughs> Bo Burnham inside. All right, that was some that was some good stuff. It was. It was. Um, yeah, it was kind of a, you know. So he he shot the comedy special over a year during the pandemic by himself uh, as he turned thirty. It's kind of it's a stand up. A one man stage show, a parody music video, and a documentary about mental health and life in the pandemic. And it was all put in a blender, (laughs) you know, seasoned on top with some creative uh, cinematic uh, techniques and style. Some Uh, of the most creative DIY lighting I've ever seen. Right? Yeah, the lights and shadows was like fantastic. 
Oh yeah, it was great. Uh, I, I here's the thing with the, the thing I, I have a thing with song with uh with with comedy songs. I guess like I really enjoy them and I find them funny. But comedy songs for some reason they can't make me laugh out loud. I just kind of yeah. chuckle with how cleverly they're written. You know what I mean? And you know, and the good points they have there. But uh, but my wife is done like is head over heels about like like comedy songs. She loves musicals and this. And this uh, this special is basically a musical for like half of it, if not more. And uh, yeah, thought it was uh, quite good. Definitely, uh, it definitely got depressing at times. <laughs> it did because like you were like seeing him have like like a panic attack on screen yep. um, at one point, and there are like real moments of like you know introspection and emotion and yeah sprinkled with like some weakness uh that's uh i felt like it was a perfect balance uh between the funny songs and the social commentary um you know you know he's talking about real world issues you know touches on like systemic racism and you know making art in a capitalist society, ding, ding. Um, you know, the mental effects of living through the pandemic, all these kinds of things. Alone, and the whole thing of sexting because, you know, you can't see anybody right now. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. I, uh, the one thing that I loved was uh, when he was uh, doing, like, a video review. Oh, oh, of the review, of the review, and it just kept stacking yeah. up. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah. It was just, like, super meta and, like, uh, you know, just a dead cool quote. Like, it's like a fourth wall break inside of a fourth wall, wall break. break. That's, oh, like, yeah. 16 walls. <laughs> and that, they were, like, 84 walls. Oh, yeah. It kept stacking and it got funnier and funnier every time. Yes, yeah, it, it was hilarious. And it really, like, you know, kind of taking down the whole YouTube culture, which he... Made his way through. Yeah, like it's. Oh yeah, this is. That's. I mean, like you know, they're the, the whole you talk. You know, talking to a camera or singing jokes to a camera is. Uh, that's you know, like YouTube made that happen for a lot of people. So. Yeah, and he, he was one of the one of the first who, who made his way through Hollywood um, through that uh, avenue, and um, yeah, I mean, and, and I just related to him, uh, especially you know during the parts of his own struggles because I, you know, I had my own struggles with mental health uh, during the pandemic like millions of other people and uh, yeah, I just really related to him because there are definitely times where I kind of felt like him um, yeah. Oh, yeah. and uh, to, to show that to everybody it's not an easy thing to do so I commend him uh, for it um, also it was just absolutely hilarious uh, at times as well, and yeah, it was just something special, and it, it, you know, it is feature length, it's 90 minutes, and uh, like I said, it had some cinematic style, some aspect ratios, uh, uh, you know, mixing of that, and uh, some interesting editing, so I thought, I thought it would count as a movie, um, and once again, it's my list, so uh, it's at my number four. Well, like 
I said to my white friend when he uh, said the N-word one time, I'll give it a pass. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's good. It's good for sure. And uh, uh, I'll say I will also give it a pass because I feel like it's definitely one of a kind. You know what I mean? Like it can only, like those things like, you know, can only be made in a certain period of time. When some, like for example, like uh, my favorite artist of all time is Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park. And he made a great album called Post Traumatic. But in order for that album to be a thing, uh, you know, the, you know, the great singer of the band, Chester Bennington, died, you know? So it was, and so from, from horrible things can come great art. <laughs> Not saying that I would, you know, would rather have the art than the horrible things, but it. But when you can see someone like turn, you know, turn something sad into like this kind of introspection that you know that people going through that as well can connect with and you know not feel alone, even though they are alone. Uh, it, it can be a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh... Yeah, he's just a very creative guy, and uh, between, you know, 8th grade and this, and he, he's, he's got a lot going for him, that Bo Burnham. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what comes next uh, for him. Yeah, and congrats on him just making, like, quite possibly the most original thing that year. Right? And, wow. it, and it's definitely going to be a time capsule of, oh, yeah. like, you know... Hopefully one day when we're over this, um, or it becomes less of a um, issue as it is now, we're gonna be saying, "Oh yeah, remember, remember that, <laughs> remember that those two years or three years." And uh, yeah, th- this movie's gonna bring you right back to it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hop into our, uh, our. I guess we're in the top three now. We are. So let's uh, let's go, let's get to it. I'm gonna hop into. Uh, I think this, to me, was probably the most feel-good movie of the year for me, and that was King Richard. Ah. Yeah, I haven't. I, 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 everyone's been saying this, and you know, of course, they always say it uh, during Oscar time when they're selling things. You know, this is the person at their best, that's their best performance ever. But I, I gotta say, uh, this probably is Will Smith's best in probably a good ten years. Like he's, Easily. yeah, yeah, he is excellent here. He plays. Like his charm comes through, but he plays this this uptight kind of a you know hustler, but loving father like who's just pushing his you know like, you know just pushing his daughters to excellence, but also a bit slimy <laughs> in how he gets them there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this I thought this was great. The story of um, the father Venus and Serena Williams and seeing their story, and I gotta say, uh, you know, outside of him, like everyone's praising him, but the two actresses that played uh, the you know the Williams sisters, I thought were fantastic. It's because it's so it's so hard to it's so hard to you know find good kid actors, but these girls, I think, absolutely nailed it. Absolutely, and yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Will Smith. I mean, I go deep on Will Smith. I've seen almost every movie of his. You know, I'm rewatching Fresh Prince. Uh, I love, I love, I love Will Smith, and um, he is—he's great in this. Uh, he really disappeared into the role. Um, you know, we mentioned it before in Christmas Stewart, but like, I—I I honestly forgot 
Mm-hmm. And most movies, he is Will Smith. Mm-hmm. You know? and, but he really dug deep and buried himself in this role. And um, yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed uh, the movie as well. Um, I will say that it's a very good sports movie. Mm-hmm. For me, I didn't feel like it was a good biopic mm-hmm. uh, because if you like, and everything has a bit, you know, whenever you're talking, you're doing a movie about real people, real people you're always going to have some fictional and, stuff mixed in there. But I feel like if you know about Richard Williams, you know that. He, he did some like, even more shady stuff than this movie kind of goes into, and the fact that I feel like the movie gives him a pass because he was right, even though he did some very questionable, uh, had some very questionable parenting uh, throughout the movie. But um, but I enjoyed it. I loved Will Smith's his uh, performance, and you know. I'm hoping that he can finally get over the hump and get that Oscar. Um, you know, it might be between him and Andrew Garfield for uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, I would I would love to see him finally get, uh, like I said, get over the hump on his uh, third track. Oh, yeah. And I would definitely, I, I guess in my opinion, I feel like he's not, his character, the, the character Richard isn't given... Like, there's that scene where the wife chews him the fuck out. I love and, her. And that scene really puts into perspective all the fault of the man. So I feel like without that scene, I could definitely like I, I could definitely uh, be more on the same page with you. But, uh, and, it, and, it, and it definitely still, like, has a happy ending because it, it, it's kind of going that way. But it definitely doesn't, like, not talk about at least a good handful of his shortcomings. Because... <laughs> She chews him out, and rightfully so. And when you see all the things that he actually has, or, or you know his past and stuff, and you know even though him he's a great dad to these girls, he is a deadbeat dad to others. <laughs> oh yeah. And it is yeah. Yeah, and let's talk about the actress that plays his wife. I think I hope I get this right. Anjanu uh, Ellis. Yeah, she's fantastic. She was amazing in this, like. It's hard to get, or it's easy to get lost in, in a movie with a fantastic performance such as uh, Will Smith in it. But she she had a really good performance as Brandy Price, and you know, as talking about like Oscar stuff, I think she should definitely get a Oscar nom for Best Supporting Actress because she was really good and she had some excellent scenes and you know you also I mean this is a pretty good cast overall you had you know Dylan McDermott and John Bernthal and Tony Goldwyn so um plus you uh you mentioned the the girls uh can't think of her name but they all uh wrote different you know a uh, certain perspective um and then they all came together at the end yeah, the best thing about this movie is definitely that, uh, you know, from first from Matt Damon's character's perspective, then from Adam Driver's, and then from uh, your girl, right? Jane Cameron, yeah. yeah. It's got that, 
don't know, but I know of it. Yeah, so it's it's the same kind of thing. Uh, sort of. There's, I believe, in that one, there was like a murder, and um, each uh, person uh, has their own perspective of what happened, um, and you know how they found the body and uh, their interactions with the person and or possibly killer. Um, so it had that kind of feel to it. Yeah. And this one definitely has the, uh, cause there are a lot of scenes that are kind of played the same, but there are like a couple that are like different, like as specifically the scene where, so basically, you know, like dealing with rape, it, it, it the scene where she tells her husband yes. is totally different from her perspective. Right. And that, that, and that shit caught me off guard because from his, he's just like the, the, the one key line that's pretty much the same is tell me you're telling the truth but and then he's like but like in, in his mind he's like I'm sorry I would have defended you I would have done all this and apparently and like in his head apparently that apparently he said all that but he didn't <laughs> because from her perspective he like damn near choked her out and made it all about him yeah you can definitely see like the ego oh <laughs> In, in his perspective and um, you also realize that they're both kind of brutes you know just oh, <laughs> in yeah. different ways but um, yeah you, you definitely know who to, to believe and, and what really happens <laughs> oh yeah but yeah the, the last duel I thought was fantastic I mean Honestly, like I got, I got me a good ass duel at the end. Like it was, it was well done. And like, if I were to just watch it as a fight scene, I would have thought it was great. But because I got this great buildup to make it make make it have so much weight and gravitas, it was even better, man. Yeah, it, I mean, it's really Scott. So yeah, you know he's gonna shoot the hell out. Of it. Oh, he shot. He definitely shot the hell out of it. But I think what helps this one also is the sparkling script that uh, Matt Damon and Athic put together with Nicole uh, uh, Holofner. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're because honestly just hearing them talk there was some there's a lot of fun to it especially uh, Ben Affleck I thought was a, a delight in this movie <laughs> in terms of just see, he, seeing him have fun again and I, I, I thought he was great. Yeah, and I believe this is the first movie they uh, wrote together since, since Good Will Hunting, yeah. Um, I, you know what? I should say they should do it more. Yeah. It, it usually uh, results in uh, some pretty good movies. Yeah, especially you know, I, I, you know, this feels like the coupling of like when you like when you had Aaron Sorkin writing and David Fincher behind the camera. You know what I mean? Where you have like where it's just like sometimes. Like sometimes, you know, like I feel like David Fincher is definitely better. Is definitely has a stronger track record than Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott definitely has a lot of classic, but he also has like a lot of like man, like forgettable stuff. But like I feel like, but, but I feel like you get. Oh yeah, just yeah, just stop, stop it. The second one, <laughs> but but. When you give that man a good script, man, you know, it's it's like peanut butter and jelly, man. It's just, mwah, so good. Uh, but this one is, uh, even though, it, it like, this one is just, uh, it's, dude, when they start breaking down all the rules of, like, like, all the shit that can go wrong for a woman that confesses, 
or you know that you know accuses and makes accusations of rape. I'm like shit. <laughs> like like it just kept getting worse. The more things they pointed out, like you know, could go wrong for her if things don't go her way. If things don't go the way in the courts, right? Or if he doesn't win this duel, you're just like, oh my gosh. Oh gosh. No what? Ah. Oh. Ah, and it's, and it, I guess this is a dark joke to say, but um, ladies today got it a bit lucky. <laughs> compared, to, compared to back then. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. It kind of shows you that the, the system was built against them, you know, oh, yeah. because a lot of the rules, you know, back then and even today, we were making them. Yeah, but you know, you know at, least we see, at, at least we see them as people now and not just our property <laughs> and if you hurt them then it's more like good like because that that line that made me go oh my gosh was when uh, matt damon's character found out and then he just was like this guy brings brings how can this guy just always bring evil to me right and i'm like y- your wife was raped and this is about you yeah <laughs> and i'm just like oh but but at, the, but at the same time i'm not mad because i know this is of the times like of course people are gonna act like that if this is all they ever know so, but uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's depressingly, beautifully tragic to watch. But I really, really love this movie. So Excellent. yeah, it's a good one. So, I, I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. So number two for you, sir. Number two. Uh, this is a revisionist western film mm-hmm. from Netflix. Ooh, I think I know this one too. Ooh, Black Western. Yes. I heard I've heard nothing but um, good things about this one. Oh, you haven't seen it? I have not. Oh. Well, it's my first time director, uh, Jamie Samuel, aka The Bullets. Mm-hmm. I guess he is a musician, uh, artist, a musical artist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean he's definitely got uh, a unique uh, cinematic approach and guys moves in with style and has this really innovative kind of visual storytelling um but uh yeah it has an all-star cast um do you know the basic uh rundown uh i know that uh Icarus Help is an outlaw and like his crew breaks him out right yeah his crew breaks him out and uh Jonathan Majors is um is hunting Idris Elba down. He's an outlaw too, but he only like kills the bad guys. And because uh, Idris Elba killed uh, his father and his mother, and uh, braided them. So mm. yeah, it's basically uh, gang versus gang, and it has an absolute all-star cast. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beats, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield. Shit, dude. Yeah. Yep. Uh, along, yeah, along with uh, yeah, Jonathan Majors. I mean, it is just stacked uh, with people, and uh, they're all giving great performances. It's one of those where clearly. They're all having fun um, and giving it their all at the same time. Uh, I mean, Regina King 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you are so enthralled by it because then it's Regina King, and she's Regina King. <laughs> she's talking, and every time, every so often, they're uh, uh, she's talking to Zazie Beats, who's also doing a good job, and they're you know painting over the Zazie Beats, and she sets some stuff, and then we go back to Regina King for uh, story time, and it you love it, and it's an acting showcase, and it also sets up a, a third act showdown between the two ladies, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it has some of the best dialogue I have heard. Um, it's almost lyrical uh, and really funny. I mean, I was busting up laughing watching this movie. Um, it's. Uh, it has one of the best sight gags, visual sight gags I have ever seen in a movie. Mm. Um, you, it's another one where you know it when you see it, but it is absolutely hilarious. And uh, they definitely uh, hang a lampshade on it, so you, you, you'll know when you see it. But uh, yeah, I mean, fantastic themes, you know, goes into generational trauma and you know, the consequences of seeking revenge and how violence only begets violence. And it has, like, homages to, you know, Tarantino and Leone and maybe some Robert Rodriguez in there. Um, but once again, it's without feeling like an imitation. It, it, it pays homage to those movies, but it still has its own... Um, feel to it and the soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks I've heard um, in a while I mean in this western movie you're going from like rap or reggae um, all the way to like you know like a string kind of score to it like an almost violin or cello score and it doesn't feel out of place it feels natural and i believe the the director um did the uh soundtrack himself which makes sense because he's a you know he's in the music business uh but it, it was fantastic um and yeah there's different shots uh, different kind of shots that you don't usually see like you know if someone's hitting somebody with the with a gun uh, you actually like see the gun as it's like coming down on the person's head. It's just an interesting kind of, like I said, visual storytelling in uh, different uh, shots that you don't usually see. Um, yeah, Lakeith Stanfield was also having fun. Uh, everyone really gets their own moments in this movie, and no matter how big or little the part. And uh, Zazzy Beats is just an absolute badass in the movie. Um, yeah, I love this movie. Um, it, it was very nearly my number one movie. It was a very tight, tight battle there. But uh, The Harder They Fall, definitely have to check that out. Will do, man. I've heard, I've heard good stuff about it. Just uh, cause I haven't seen it yet, but I'll definitely check yeah. it out, man. And it is on Netflix. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen it on there for sure. It's 
there's so many movies I just haven't seen. I I I move super slow in the movies movies this year, so I definitely gotta do it. I, I got a lot of catch up to do after we do this list. But I guess we're I guess we're number one. Number one. All right. Well, I I don't I I, I, I guess I, I maybe you haven't heard of this one, but my number one is this movie called Mass. Ah, uh, yes, this one, uh, so do you know the premise of this one? I do. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, the premise basically being the parents of a, uh, for those who aren't us, uh, the premise is basically you have two, uh, two, uh, two pairs of parents. Uh, you have, uh, the parents of a kid killed in a high school sh- uh, mass shooting, and then you have the parents of the high school shooter. And it's basically just you know, an hour and 45 minutes of them just hashing it out. Yeah. And just, and just, and, and, and they ask all the questions, they get into the nitty gritty. It's pretty much mostly in one room, but my gosh, man, you, it, it, it definitely feels like you're flat on the wall. Super awkward. It gets dark. It, like it starts off super kind of like fake cordial, you know? Like, no one's trying to really get at anybody, you know what I mean? And then it kind of is, you know, as you start peeling back the layers of that, ooh, you know, it's, uh, you definitely get into the, the, you know, the quest, you know, the quest for closure, the quest for even knowing what you, like, what you want out of it, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you find out, you know, you know, a lot about the kid that did it, you find out a lot about one of the kids that died because he's one of um, multiple kids that was killed. But and it's and it's it, it ends with it ends with this glorious with this glorious conclusion of sadness, purging, hope, forgiveness, and it's just uh, I I teared up multiple times. Then this was like once I once it was over out once it was over I was quiet for like a good ten minutes. And I was like, yeah, that's the number one this year. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> so but, yeah, I mean, it it seemed very depressing. Maybe that's why I didn't get to it. Well, <laughs> well here's the thing: you definitely have to be in a certain mood to watch that kind of film. Yeah, but but it but it's a it surprisingly ends in a in an own in, in an emotionally kind of uplifting place but not like because of what happened but more just because like once you purge those emotions you can kind of feel lighter you know like you can move forward after it and it really kind of captures like the purge and the you know the purge and the moving forward of the uh, after after such a tragedy but uh, yeah mass is my number one so excellent well uh you probably know my number one because it was a punt from earlier. Oh, I, uh, I have no idea. What could it possibly be? What could it be? Yes, it is Mesh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. Oh, yeah, this was some good shit, wasn't it? This movie was so good. This is the movie that did it, Jeremy. Mm. Got, you, got you into the animations. Into the Spider Verse was my number two, 
It's, I mean, at its core, I mean, if you want to, you know, go from Ghost Reef, go from a family film, it's a father-daughter movie. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it really gets in there. Um, it's, it's, I mean, on, on top of it having all the feels and the themes and it nailing all that, this movie is funny as hell. <laughs> it is funny. It is so funny. Um, like, Maya Rudolph is so amazing. She played a couple of moms in animated movies. I can't remember the other one, but she, this isn't the only mom she played in an animated movie this year. And um, in the third act, like, she just goes, you know how some moms will, like, lift the car off their kids and, uh, you know, if need be? Uh, yeah, she goes ham. And it is both I mean, it's just hilarious the way it was played. Um, it was heartwarming. It was, yeah, plus, once again, it has some of that social commentary that I love, you know, talking about, like, Silicon Valley and billionaires and over-reliance on technology and capitalism. Just hitting all your spots, huh? Theater, I saw Spider Man in theater, and I saw a Quiet Place in theater. So, yeah, 
I guess now I just put it next to each movie just like what it's streaming on. Talking about how, you know, fire 
Yeah, yeah, because like fire can have like a death and rebirth type thing with force, right? Where it can kind of reset, like reset things sometimes when it needs to be done. Exactly, and actually, the Native, uh, Native Americans uh, actually understood uh, fire and its role in the ecosystem. That they actually, a lot of them, especially out west, did control what we now know as controlled or prescribed burns mm-hmm. um, to really burn up all that like underlayer, that duff layer that builds up mm-hmm. that really fuels the fires. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Europeans came in and said, "Oh, fire is bad." And, Smokey Bear had a lot to do with that, and uh, Smokey Bear did a really good job, too good of a job. Yeah, it's been 50, 60 years since we, like, stopped that, and we are still feeling the effects of it today. Damn you, Smokey. Well, I mean, I love Smokey. Just yeah, not... it, was, it was the road to the inferno paved with the best intent. <laughs> Our exactly. best intent. Let me see what else. Uh, let me th- throw a few in here. Uh, Encanto, I really enjoyed this year. That's a good movie. Man, that is a movie, uh, what is it, um, we don't talk about Bruno. Don't talk about Bruno, that's a good song. It's a banger. And then, was the other one, like, Pressure? Oh, yeah, with the sister that's super strong, right? Yeah, and I was like, wow, I've never felt so seen from an animated musical before. Right. Another one I want to throw out there, I know it probably wasn't on yours, but I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, Malignant. I thought it was super fun. Uh, that was I super mean, fun. How fun was that it was movie? super fun. I mean, if James Wan made this movie because, uh, you know, he was able to make it after Aquaman made like a billion dollars. He's like, I'm going to make this like weird, campy horror movie. Mm-hmm. And. And it's super fun. Yeah, it was funny. Like, he was in on the joke, and mm-hmm. you kind of saw where it was going, but man, you didn't. Great. You didn't. You didn't know how far it was gonna go. Great, great visuals. Uh, super, s- super creative, zany fight scenes. <laughs> yeah, uh, excellent, uh, uh, like stunt work in mm-hmm. terms of the person who uh, was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They, they did a great, yeah. Like the, that, that shot of them jumping down multiple like fire escapes was fantastic. Yeah, the 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 physical performance in that was excellent. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna throw one more out there. This was a Justice Society World War Two. It's a DC animated movie. Uh, with the Flash ends up going, with the Flash ends up back in time during World War Two. But he also realizes that, like, uh, when he goes back in time, it's not even, it's not his Earth either. So, like, it's, so, like, so, like, all those characters don't, like, never existed in his world. So, it's, so it's not like he's just, like, going back, in, like, just to the past, but, like, the past of a different, uh, of a different timeline. And, uh, and yeah, it's basically that you basically got the Flash, you got old school Wonder Woman, uh, you got old school Jay Garrick Flash, uh... You have uh, a super badass Black Canary, Hour Man, a bunch of really old school super uh, superheroes from like the golden age. We're talking the fifties. We're talking we're talking back when like superheroes were just the archetypes, and they were just fighting, and they were all just fighting the good fight just because it was the good fight, you know. But uh, it's uh, it is quite good. The animation is fantastic. The action's good. Uh, uh, there's a great twist uh, in it involving Aquaman that I think is great. But uh, yeah, I uh, I highly recommend that one. That's probably the best uh, in terms of animated superhero stuff that uh, came out this year. So, what, what was the name of it again? 
Uh, it's called Je- Justice Society World War Two. Yeah, it sounds like my jam. Yeah, it, 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 it's probably or it's probably on HBO Max now, hopefully. But, okay. But, uh, because like HBO Max has all the DC stuff, so. Face, neck, and chest. Face, 
Just a little quick shout out to uh, part one of Dune. I thought that was quite good. Oh, hoping part two, uh, you know, finishes it off strong. But yeah, but, but that first part was good. But I didn't want to throw it on there because it's uh, it's, half, it, it's like you know a third or a half of a film. So I thought it was solid. I don't go deep on Dune. Like I, I hadn't seen the David Lynch version. I haven't read the book. I thought it was good. I mean, Dilly Villeneuve. I mean, he could do no wrong. That guy. Yeah. Not my favorite. I'm, I'm kind of. I'm kind of a fan. I'm kind of a gushing fanboy of that guy. So. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, Arrival's one of the better films in the last few years. Uh, and yeah, along uh, with like Prisoner and Sicar- Prisoners and Sicario and Blade Runner, right. the guy, the, the guy is uh has has been killing it for a hot minute. So. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, even though not uh, didn't make a bunch of money, uh, it was good. Actually, I liked it better than the original. Is that a bad thing to say? Uh, um, I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so he, he, he can do no wrong, so it was solid. Um, yeah, good year, man. Good year. Well, let's go do our list again. I'm going to name off my list, you name off yours, and then we'll close it out. Sound good? All right, number 10, I have Spencer. Number two, Spider-Man No Way Home. Eight, Pig. Seven, Nobody. Six, One Shot. Five, The Mitchells vs. The Machines. Four, A Quiet Place Part Two. Three, King Richard. Two, The Last Duel. And one, Mass. Right. All right, and for me, I've got number 10, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, number nine is Riders of Justice. Number eight, Lucky. Number seven, Free Guy. Number six, The White Tiger. Number five, The Fear Street Trilogy. Number four, Bo Burnham Inside. Number three, Little Fish. Number two, The Harder They Fall. And number one, the Mitchells versus the Machine. Well, excellent, excellent. I want to thank you, Brian, and I want to thank the year 2021. It had its ups, it had its downs. Uh, mostly ups for me because I got married, so you know I can't yeah. say that it was bad for everybody. I've had a pretty good year, uh, life-wise and changes. So, but uh, yeah, man, it's been another great year of podcasting with you. I look forward to many more. And uh, here's to 2022. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if I can do that. I don't, 125 was hard, though. I mean, yeah, and that was like, you know, with the excuse of being stuck inside a lot more. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, uh, especially I'm, I'm going on a detail up, uh, and I'm going to be around more people over the next three months, so I have a feeling I won't be watching as many movies, uh, so we'll see. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what uh, 2022 has to offer. Um I mean, we're a month away from the Batman. Oh, yes, we are. Right now. I know. Um, so, it uh, might be my most anticipated. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, I'm excited. We'll be on next year's list. Who knows? We'll see next year.
Well, we shall, we shall see. Matt Reeves has a good track record. Let's see if he can follow it up, huh? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Well, thank you for joining us at First Glance. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on the Apple Podcast app. And I am Jeremy McKinley. 